0: Welcome to Built by a Boss. It's season three, and I'm so happy you're here today. If you're listening for the first time, I'm Evelyn Brooks. I'm a journalist, award-winning producer, author, and founder of the well-being platform In My Solitude LA. On this podcast, you'll hear unique origin stories, success strategies, and powerful insights from female founders, makers, moguls, mystics, and entrepreneurs who have created conscious companies and groundbreaking careers. My intention for each episode is to encourage all of us to follow our passions, be unapologetic about our purpose, disrupt our creative process when necessary, take up space, develop our deepest potential, and execute our dreams today my guest is award-winning producer jason buckner of visionary media she's produced projects with nickelodeon mtv facebook bet girl trek oprah and drake now she is the producer of a really beautiful feature-length documentary called in our mother's gardens it's currently streaming on netflix and it delves into the relationship between Black mothers and their daughters that can sometimes be taught with tension, rooted in self-sacrifice, or simply grounded in love. Here's Jason Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you today. So this is a lot of fun because I have known you since... Um, My Brooklyn days. And just to see your name in the credits of this most wonderful feature-length documentary was really, really amazing. It's called In Our Mother's Gardens, and you are the producer of the documentary. Congratulations, first of all, because it was absolutely amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud um, to be a producer on this beautiful film as well, and really excited that it's on a platform where so
0: many people can see it. What is the documentary about? It is
1: a love letter to Black mothers, Black grandmothers, Black mother figures. Through the stories of different women throughout the African diaspora, We're really talking about women, what they've given to this world, to their families, and what we can learn from them and their stories, and not just learn to be mothers ourselves or to figure out how to make it through life, but really how to thrive. And that looks like different things at different times, and it looks like different things Um, for different people. And so there are a lot of different textures that come through in the documentary, in the storytelling. It's both visual, it's audio, and um, there's some comedy. There's uh, pure storytelling. There are vintage images. And then there's also um, some healing that you get to see in the film as well.
0: It it was amazing. So now you are the producer of the film. Talk about your role as the producer and and just some of your your biggest challenges. And also, what was the gift that you feel this film has given you?
1: Ooh, okay, that's layered. (laughs) So as you know, but not everyone knows that being a producer, it's many things, including Communicating what the film is about over and over and over again, be mm-hmm. it the team that you're working with, like the crew, the technical crew, uh, communicating what the film is about to the participants so that they understand why they are participating and how they're participating, and then also to what we call external Um, stakeholders and that could be investors it could be other artists like musicians or graphic designers so as a producer it's really communicating what the film is what stage it's in and what you need also as a producer specifically on this project I worked in tandem as a co-producer and collaborator with our film's executive producer and director, Chantrell P. Lewis. She brought me on to the project after the first set of interviews were shot. Just needing someone who really understood the media landscape and understood production to figure out how to develop the film further. It started out as a different type of project, Mm -hmm. it was more of a social media campaign and um a short form video project and then once we saw that we had so many rich stories and included even more stories which turned into the vignette pieces together we figured out how to make it all come together chantrell really had a a vision and a strong, clear vision, which I love as a producer. So she was able to articulate the vision and I was able to create the roadmap and the strategy on how we were going to make it happen, including uh, shooting additional interviews and creating like a roadmap for everyone else to follow and to have artists be a part of the project. And musicians be a part of the project and where they fit in so as a producer that was really my role like taking care of everyone and making sure that all of the elements were coming together in a way that fulfilled our director's um, vision and then like the nitty-gritty work of paperwork contracts uh, agreements and payroll in some instances so you as a producer you really are with the project from conception through the very end
0: i love it and you know what's so interesting about all of that you know as a producer i know exactly what you're talking about but the other layer to that is you're doing all of that and your hope is to stay in alignment with the director's vision. So what's interesting to me is that this documentary is inspired by Alice Walker's book.
1: The title is inspired by the book. Mm -hmm. And we, so I would say that like through our education and overall inspiration on women's studies and black women, um, that In Search of Our Mother's Gardens plays a role. But -hmm. the film itself, I wouldn't say, is directly inspired by the book. It is directly inspired by a lot of the the work that Chantrell has done. And so Mm -hmm. I would put that book, as well as many other texts and uh, books in that. And so Mm -hmm. she's done a lot of work Around black art, men, women, black women, um, and genealogy, and so at the core of it, it's really about uh, learning more about your family's history, so that you understand where you where you come from, and using those stories and that information to have conversations. Uh, with your family members or even within yourself to understand like your lineage and how that helps you thrive in the
0: world. Got it. Well, do you think there is a parallel in terms of the title of the book as it relates to the relationship between mothers and daughters and kind of what we grow through, what we go through, what we learn from them? I, I think that was that was the way I saw the title kind of inspiring the book. her The actual book is like a lot of different essays, so that's kind of what I drew from it is Is there any correlation in that area
1: yeah i think I think so. Um, it wasn't that we took the the book and said, "Okay, we want to make a film like." this collection of essays mm-hmm. but when it came to uh finding a title for the film so the film was already made and then we needed a title and so I think for all of those reasons like you said this collection of stories and the symbolism of a mother's garden um yes it it fits It made sense, and we knew that what we had created with the documentary was growing out of that book and that lineage that was created from In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, but it didn't start
0: there. It's such a beautiful journey to see it come to Netflix because I remember when it started on social media and I saw all the different posts. I did it as well where we said... know, I am the daughter of, and, and it was really beautiful. And just to see the journey and how it came to fruition and then to be picked up by Array and head to Netflix, just the idea that you can begin something without really knowing where it will end up, but still having the courage to go down that road of, of finding funding, of finding people to participate. It felt as if it was not a labor of love in terms of, oh my God, this was so hard. I'm not sure what the experience was like for you. But did you feel like you were shaped by the film as much as you may have shaped it?
1: That's a great question. Yes, it was a infinity cyclical um, transformation so the work that I've done before the film before in search of our mother's gardens a lot of it, it very purposefully has been about girls women black women and working with black women to tell stories uh, that reflect our lives, mm-hmm. and so I think because I had already been doing some of that work, but in very different forms, like Black Girls Rock, or um, or doing, I did a, a short series with ESPNW about women who are athletes. So just bringing that into the space, I think, like helped. Create the community that we put together to make in our mother's gardens. Mm-hmm. And from working on this, I had not worked on anything that I felt so far was this important or powerful. Mm-hmm. And the, again, the vision that Chantrell had was very. Um, unique and creative and how we were telling the stories. It wasn't celebrity driven. It wasn't about relationship, women's relationships to men. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about their hair and it wasn't mm-hmm. about their careers. It was really about who are these women? Who are the mothers and the mother figures? And, you know, personally, I have my own stories and lessons that have come from my grandmothers and and my mother and other mother figures in my life. So bringing all of that together, it's like I came in with a passion for telling stories about and for women. And then through this project I kept going and even with the obstacles that we faced it was so worth it because these stories hadn't been told on a large platform and hadn't been told recently and hadn't been told by these specific women so that yes that really shaped me and gives me another I guess leg to stand on to say, I've always loved telling stories about women, and I've done this, this, and this. But I'm especially proud of in our mother's gardens.
0: Absolutely. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome during the production?
1: Um. Oh, let's see. So many. Like just one. I'll I'll talk about a couple. um, But. One small challenge, for example, is that we did a shoot in New York City in November of 2019, and it ended up being on the same day as the New York City Marathon. Oh, wow. And we shot in Midtown. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so just, you know, as the producer of the shoot, I'm coordinating logistics on so many levels, and we had everything very contained, like we had a car service for our talent and we had a location and we had our crew, and we had transportation for the crew. But then when I thought about how are we going to get that second meal mm-hmm. to set in the town after or during the marathon and for New Yorkers or anyone who's been in New York during the marathon, essentially the city kind of like shuts down mm-hmm. and it's unpredictable So even if the marathon is over at 3 p.m., if I have to have a meal in midtown by five, you just never know what streets are going to be blocked. So that was just like a little thing that's still a stinger. And then in 2020, you know, the pandemic hit.
0: Yes. Oh, my God.
1: So it was a gift. It was a gift to our editing process. Because we, and when I say we, I really mean our editor and Neek and our um, director Chantrell had less going on in life. So mm-hmm. they were, they took advantage of the time and just virtually met over Zoom and edited the film. I was working a full-time job at that time. So, I was coming onto conference calls with them at 7, 8, 9, 10 p.m. during the week to, you know, facilitate whatever needed to happen. So there were those obstacles. Then there's always the obstacle when you're telling a story of you have a lot of footage, you have a uh-huh. lot of stories, you have all of these dynamic women. So what do you keep? What do you not keep? And I have been working within a very like corporate media structure. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you have a finite amount of time and there's a rhythm and there's a brand and you're like producing for that. For example, if you're producing a music bio on BET, that's going to have a certain rhythm, shape, and time limits to it for commercial reasons. And programming exists in blocks that are set up before you even go into production, 30 Mm -hmm. minutes or 44 minutes if it's an hour-long show. But with this documentary, we were blessed that and at all phases of it, we really had a lot of freedom to create what we wanted to create, how we wanted to create it. And so at times I felt like, oh, this is a little long or this is a bit repetitive. And so those were the conversations that I was having with Chantrell. And we talked and sometimes we made adjustments and sometimes she would say like, this is, this is what I want. And I'm not cutting it down because the media standards are that information should be short and quick. This story needs time. It needs breath. I want to hear this person talking and I don't want to chop it up. And I realized that, you know, I had kind of like molded myself into this corporate media structure. Mm -hmm. And once I let that go, There are still times where I felt like, okay, we should cut this down, or maybe we should adjust this here and there. Um, But once I let that go and really leaned into the freedom of being able to tell stories, how we wanted to tell them, and not based on corporate media structure, leaning, quite honestly, more into like an African-centered way of storytelling, then it wasn't a challenge. It was a gift,
0: and you know that that totally came across because there was a freedom to the storytelling, the visuals, the flowers, the photographs, all of that kind of spoke even when someone wasn't speaking or whether it was a transition. all of that that really came across, and, and I think the thing that was most powerful for me was seeing one, the range and the diversity of Black women, because sometimes we're looked at as if we're a monolithic group and we're all different. The range in terms of spirituality. um, Some women were Christian. um, Some were rooted in African spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Selassie, she blew my mind. Like, I I just need, I just, I watched it again because I loved it. But she was that woman was amazing. First of all, just seeing her cook for the altar, right? I have an ancestral altar. And I just thought seeing her go through that whole ritual, you know, and and really share her process. I, I just thought that that was a really beautiful gift that so many people probably have have never seen. And then the other thing that I thought was really great was the way in which the complexity of our relationships with our mothers, um, the way that was portrayed, because not everybody has a loving relationship. Sometimes you're at odds, sometimes it's very tough love, but it is what you can take away in the end that allows you to survive and thrive and move forward. You can't contain or judge the type of mothering you received is kind of like what you do with it that matters. So I just think that that was really, really important. And the way that you all were able to balance that, what were the conversations around how much of this person, particularly the doctor, because she had a very large portion in terms of, of showing her, her story.
1: Yes. Yeah, so Dr. Selassie, I affectionately known as Mama Coco. Um,
0: <laughs> That's what she's in, called.
1: In watching her footage, you know, you asked a question around like how I was impacted by the film. And when we were doing the editing for her section, it was in January of this year. And I was going through a lot of anxiety because of COVID. There's a lot of crime where I live. It was freezing cold outside and like i i was anxious around just being outside of my house
0: mm-hmm.
1: and hearing her talk about the jewelry the necessaries and how she goes out into the world it, it her words aren't helped to arm me mm-hmm. and seeing her present to the ancestors and go through the stories about her family members. I don't have a a woman like that in my family, but I have seen women like that in my life, and I've never had a deep conversation with them or understood what they were doing. It's like, okay, she wears all white, she wraps her head, she talks about the ancestors, she has an altar, she does this, but it never came together for me until, honestly, hearing uh, Mama Coco and, and her stories. And so we had a lot more footage than what you saw in the film. And uh, the decision that our editor and Chantrell made We already had our main storytellers, the main subjects of the documentary, and then we had the vignettes, and those are women who represent different parts of the diaspora and you only see them once. And so there was a challenge of, okay, how do we fit in Mama Coco? We shot mm-hmm. during COVID. The other interviews were not during COVID. So we weren't able to stylize it in the way that the other interviews went. But she's a different character, mm-hmm. so to speak. So um, I think breaking her up into the two segments made the most sense. And she does have a very concentrated amount of time on screen. But what she's talking about, those elements, they do flow in and out of other sections of the film. So it wasn't really a challenge about the competition of, okay, well, this might overpower that, because everybody was dynamic. It was really about just where in the sequence that we already had were we going to... Um, insert Mama Coco's sections.
0: It was really interesting to see how she fit in because everyone had a certain story to tell that not necessarily that we were familiar with, but that was familiar to us and that there was a woman like that in our lives. I think that was the thing that was really wonderful. It's like, I have an aunt like that. Yeah, my mother was like that. Yeah, my grandmother had that quality. And so for me, she created the through line back to Africa, so to speak, back to our ancestors to see how all of this is coming down the pike to us and and how as Black women, how do we take what we've learned from each of those ancestors, from our mothers and our grandmothers, And how do we use that information to now not just mother others, but to mother ourselves? And that was one of the questions that I came away kind of asking. Like, I lost my mother um, quite a while ago when I was in my late 20s. And so the idea for me was, where do I recognize my mother in these women and also how am I mothering myself now as a result of the mothering that I got? And I know you probably get people having different types of reactions to the film, but I just think it really spoke to how powerful the type of mothering you receive, how powerful that is on who you become as a woman and then how you mother going forward. Um, so, so that was something that I appreciated in terms of the types of mothering that you saw, because you mm-hmm. you saw these successful women and you're like, okay, well, you could still be okay. You still have healing to do. You still have things to work out or whatever, but the act of being mothered one way or the other, it inspires you to do the work. But then ultimately, if you if you are invested in your own healing, you actually bring forth the best parts of the mothering that you you experience so i was just really kind of blown away by the success of of that messaging
1: well thank you and that was the the intention you know to bring out an awareness and at the and at a very basic level, at least just to recognize, mm-hmm. and um, and you hear in the film, it's like say their names. So just starting there, mm-hmm. saying the names of your ancestors, saying the names of your mother, your um, matrilineal lineage, lineage, just starting there is a very powerful place to begin. And then whether you are having conversations with the women in your family. Or just reflecting and reckoning within yourself, you know, that takes it to another level. And like you mentioned before, there are different dynamics, even in what I think we would just generically call like a successful relationship between mothers and and their daughters, that's still layered. Even if it's a good relationship, it's layered and it's Mm -hmm. complicated. And so if there's a theme in the film or a point in what you've seen that you can talk about, then that helps to carry the message further. And so the feedback has been very positive and it's been very strong. And sometimes it's more along the lines of the self-reflection a lot of it is feeling comforted by seeing these different women and beyond a representation level, um, seeing the different textures of who they are and having them talk about their relationships and how there's, you know, the good times and then there have been the challenges and, the struggles and the relatability in that. And then also that within the film, it's not all trauma and challenge that there are some lighter moments and that it's not all about right here, right now. And that we are recognizing what has come before us.
0: Absolutely. that And that's, that's so beautiful because I think, one of the most powerful through lines as well was the idea of resilience Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful to experience the balance because as you know over this past year or so it's like i mean we've just experienced so much trauma um we've experienced you know black women not being valued we've experienced our contributions not being recognized And so to be able to on Mother's Day to sit down and validate one another, it just felt like it's, you know, there was no trauma porn. Like, I mean, just sometimes I'm just exhausted by it, although I know that those stories have to be told. But I'm 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 really heartened by this moment that we're in where we're seeing, you know, more of us having more opportunities to tell stories that. That represent how vast we are as a people as opposed to the trauma that we experience. So that in itself, just working on that had to be nourishing to your own spirit because it wasn't exhausting in that kind of way. You know what I mean? Absolutely.
1: And we wanted... We wanted women to, we wanted to tell these stories or, you know, help to tell these stories, continue the conversation and have other people tell their stories, even if it's not in a documentary, but tell their stories, talk about their mothers, explore their history. And I think now that the film, and then... We also, Chantrell and I and you know our small little production team, we wanted as many people to see the film as possible. And we are so happy that it's on Netflix, but had it not been Netflix and we had to use some other methods of distribution, then we would have been really happy about that too, as long as the story was able to the story by story I mean film, as long as the film was able to get out there and have people be able to access it easily. And now that the film is out and we've you know we're hearing from people and we're hearing about their relationships and who they've connected with in the film, I've also started to think about other storytellers and other filmmakers and other producers, you know, the the up and coming Jason's and Chantrell's and Evelyn's that I hope they see this and are inspired along with the other books that they've read and things that they've seen to have the audacity to tell the stories that they want to tell in the way that they want to tell them and have the freedom and to put together a team of creative people or put together a team of, friends and a producer to create and tell stories and so coming out of this experience I really hope to see more and I know people say that all the time and I know that there are more stories being told some of them are are traumatic some of them are not but I am very happy about the expanded universe and library of content that's coming out. And I'm happy that in Our mother's gardens is a part of that. And I hope that other people will say like, Hey, they did it. I'm going to
0: do it too. Absolutely. And that is the perfect place to ask my last two questions that I always ask of all of my guests. And the first one is, we all have 24 hours in a day, but we each do different things with them. What do you do? Maybe your top two or three things. What do you do to help yourself stay grounded, achieve your goals, a way you nurture yourself, a way that you eat? What are two to three things that you do to help yourself become and maintain any success that you have achieved and that you are working on in the future?
1: (laughs) Um, I think that's a really great question. And I would love to have just this amazing, magical golden answer. (laughs) But you know, off the top of my head, what comes to mind, um, one, mornings are very crucial and I have not mastered my morning. But when I wake up, I pray and I spend some time in gratitude Mm -hmm. and I sometimes am able to Say, okay, this is the kind of day that I want to have, and put like a word to it. Like, I want to have a really productive day, I want to have a very carefree day, for example. And sometimes I have this mental analogy of a treadmill. Mm-hmm. And when you're on a treadmill, you can walk, you can run, you can sprint. And depending on what's going on in that day, I kind of set the pace of the treadmill so that I know what. Like how I'm gonna, how I'm going to pace myself through the day. I love so that. It's like okay, I don't have a lot going on, but things come up, or I'm waiting for something, so. I'm walking through the day, but it's a brisk walk. Or if there's a lot going on, it's like, okay, we got a sprint. We have a lot to do. And by we, I mean me. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we're going to sprint. So there's that. And then there is the to-do list. Mm-hmm. And that's an ongoing thing uh, that I usually try to try to get my list of to do's together the day before. But what is helpful is I got this new notepad a few weeks ago. And it, it gives you like space to write down what you have to do. Then it get it's organized by the hours in the day. At the top, you put like your intention, Mm -hmm. motivation. So you can write a little phrase or just write words. And then there's a section that says like, this can wait until tomorrow. And then there's also a gratitude section and organizing the day like that has been extremely helpful for me. It doesn't mean that I accomplish everything on the list. I usually don't, but just having a plan for me is really helpful. And so those are the two things that I do every day to, to keep going.
0: I love that. I love the, the visual of the treadmill, because that makes so much sense because I do that in the way that how I spend my energy. Like I'm an early riser. Like I wake up at like five in the morning and I know that I'm good from anything where I really have to concentrate. I'm good from like seven to like one. And so I will base things around that. So it's like the afternoon may be something that it, that's like really mindless or that it doesn't require a lot of, you know, reasoning, you know what I'm saying? And then early in the day, it's like, that's when it's like, if I have to really think deeply about something, it's like, let's get it away in the morning, get it done in the morning. So I just, but I love the, the visual analogy of how to pace yourself through the day. That's awesome. Okay. Last question. This podcast is called Built by a Boss. What is your definition of the word boss? How do you how does that show up for you in, in your own life?
1: Hmm. Being a boss to me means accepting responsibility and acting responsibly. I grew up in, I've grown up in a family of entrepreneurs, and so I've seen that boss role up close and personal throughout my life from both my mother and my father. And it doesn't mean that you're always telling someone else what to do. Mm -hmm. I think it really means um, being accountable and being responsible. And if that means delegating that, those responsibilities to someone else, then you're doing that. But a lot of times it means handling it yourself. And that's, I think, how I operate as an independent producer and as a business owner. I'm, I'm accountable to myself and I'm honest with myself. I don't always have the answers. I don't always get it 100% right. But I assess the situation, figure out what I can do better, figure out where I need help, figure out what I need to do more of myself
0: and keep it moving. And keep it moving. I love that. So tell us how uh, people can get in touch with you if they they have a project, if they want advice, or or they want to follow your work.
1: Sure, and thanks again for this platform and conversation. So I'm an independent producer. Sometimes I go in house, but many times I'm just hired by. Other producers, writers, and even uh, small businesses and organizations. My company is called Visionary Media. I can be reached on Instagram at Jason's Vision, also LinkedIn. I don't take unsolicited ideas because I could get sued. Right. Uh, Because I work with so many different people. There are a lot of great ideas out there, but I'm not the one to send it to immediately. I am a huge advocate of mentoring. A friend and I that I went to Howard University with, we started a mentoring program in 2006 called Dream, and it's for teen girls 13 to 19 who are interested in entertainment and style and fashion. And so I still do a lot of mentoring. And so uh, for girls, women, really at any stage, even beyond the teen years, um, if you want advice or need help, I'm very into that and advocate for that. So best way, I guess, to reach me again is through LinkedIn and Instagram, and then if we need to make a more direct connection, we can do that privately.
0: Excellent. Well, first of all, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, and Chantrell, and your whole team. Thank you for being a vehicle and a vessel for this story, and for the stories of all the women that have not had a chance to actually speak on their lives as mothers and daughters. It's like you all did something really beautiful there and for for the culture and and for women. And so I just thought that I want to talk to you, whatever platform I can offer to share about this film. I wanted to do that. And I just wish you all the best of luck.
1: Thank you. I feel it. And this type of conversation and feedback uh, are just, they mean everything to all of us involved with the film, like having these real conversations and the kind of connection and reflection that you were able to pull out and talk to me uh, about today is just like, it makes everything worth it and it's why we work so hard to put together the film this way so thank you
0: thank you, thank you, thank you thank you and we will talk to you later alright, thank you Evelyn thank you, bye bye
1: yeah. bye
0: you've been listening to Built by a Boss if you like this episode please take a moment to leave a review and a comment it really helps other people find us who might like the podcast. You can subscribe on your favorite platform and also follow us on Instagram at Built by a Boss and In My solitude, LA. If you're interested in more content about wellness, mental health, entrepreneurship, and spirituality, be sure to visit our website, InMySolitudeLA.com, and also be sure to check out the schedule for late June and July. I'll be participating in this year's Virtual Essence Wellness House, which is part of the overall programming for the Essence Festival. Leading up to the event, I will offer free downloads and giveaways, so please sign up for our newsletter, And you can also receive 15% off your first purchase. As always, thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you. Until next time, be kind, be brave, be better, be a boss.